Welcome to the Dermatology Interest Group Association podcast, or DIGA podcast, where we talk about everything from how to become a stellar dermatology applicant to interesting topics in dermatology. From research advice to interviewing tips, you will be prepared to follow the path to become a world-class dermatologist. How's it going, everyone? My name is Grace Hobine, and I'm one of the other hosts of the DIGA podcast. And in this episode, I interview Dr. Vamsi Ivara, who, as of this recording, is a PGY3 dermatology resident at The Ohio State University. And we discuss the fascinating world of artificial intelligence, engineering, and innovation, specifically within the field of dermatology. So, see you on the skin side. All right, Vamsi, welcome to the DIGA podcast. Thanks so much for um, joining us today. Uh, Super excited to have you. Before we uh, dive into why you chose dermatology and everything from there, kind of want to go all the way back to uh, the old days when you were an undergrad. Um, So you studied biomedical engineering at the time. And uh, I happen to have majored in biomedical engineering myself back when I was an undergrad. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, um, kind of like what led to your decision to pursue that major? Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having me, Grace. Um, so I, I actually started out as a biology major in undergrad. I mean, I think that's kind of the standard, you know, you want to go to med school and it's a pretty common pre-med major. I found myself uh, about in the first year thinking of switching to biomedical engineering I didn't like how much memorization there was in biology, and I knew I always liked math growing up, and um, it kind of ended up the case. As soon as I switched, I liked it a lot more because I feel like there was a lot more problem solving, there was more math, there was a little programming, and it felt a lot more, a lot less memorization-based and more like figuring out puzzles. Yeah, that's kind of the same reason why I pursued the major. It's like problem solving and using given information to kind of reason your way through things as opposed to memorizing things. And now, um, you know, back in med school, we go back to memorizing things, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no. um, Do you remember like what your favorite um, elective courses were within the major or any other um, any other things that were kind of like your favorite experiences? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it was really hard and time consuming. (laughs) Look back on everything fondly. But, um, you know, I think one really cool course I took, it was called Entrepreneurship and Engineering. And even though I don't think I knew it at the time, I feel like now I find myself looking back on some of the things that I learned there uh, in terms of how I'm thinking about innovation and maybe product development, that sort of thing is a dermatology resident. So I thought that was looking back, that was a really good course to take. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll touch on that as we, as we go through the podcast here. So, so now I'm going to ask why you, um, chose to pursue dermatology while you were in med school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, some of the reasons that I like it, they're not unique to me, but I also think it goes to show it's just a really great field and there's a lot of nice things about it that I and a lot of my um, co-residents like. So I think one big thing is is the combination of the medicine of it and the procedures of it and you get to look at pathology and it feels like you're just learning so many different aspects of the same organ system and it feels really cool to be an expert in the medical and the dermatologic part uh, medical and the surgical parts of this one kind of giant field 
Um, I think something else that's cool for me is we spend a lot of time focusing on diagnosis, and that's a lot more interesting to me. Again, going back to kind of solving a puzzle, whereas I wasn't as interested in kind of the nitty gritties and fine tuning of management. You know, when you're on an inpatient service, you're having to titrate things up and down. And I think a lot of people that's very fulfilling, but that's not as interesting for me. I mean, the joke is we just start topical steroids on everything. (laughs) So definitely more focused on the diagnosis. Yeah, it's somewhere between 90, 95% true, but yeah, (laughs) listeners get the idea. Um, Were there any other specialties that you considered over the course of med school, um, even before you made the final decision to pursue Durham? Yeah, so I I came into med school thinking I was going to do radiation oncology. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty interested in technology, and radiation oncology is definitely a technology-focused field. I think it also, they do quite a bit of research, and so no matter which field I did, I knew I wanted to do research, and so those also seem to go hand-in-hand, hand. definitely have an interest in oncology. Uh, I think at a certain point as I got more exposure to Durham, though, I, I knew I could keep doing research. Um, there's, We'll probably talk about this later in the podcast, but there's definitely some technological aspects that are unique to Durham um, and also adding on the procedural part. I mean, I love doing procedures now, and I definitely would have been missing out on that in Radonk. Yeah, and so... Exactly at what point in med school did you um, make that final decision to apply to Durham? Yeah, I mean, I think it was in my third year, but I had been considering both specialties for a while. So maybe around second year, I was thinking, oh, if I want to do Durham, I want to prepare my application for that. And then it was early third year where I think I fully committed. Gotcha. So in terms of, you know, speaking of... uh, preparing for the application, uh, what particular types of research and or extracurriculars did you participate in after uh, deciding on Durham? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the number one extracurricular that that I did and what probably most Durham applicants do is is research. For sure. Um, I, I think myself, a lot of people get your hands in different little projects. I'd say my main one was working on a cutaneous squamous cell carcinoma retrospective database. So it's kind of building up the database and collecting a lot of information, and then you can have multiple studies that come out of it. In terms of extracurriculars outside of that, I think I just did what was fun to me. We started a cooking club early on in medical school, and I I think everything there, I didn't do... I did some dermatology-related volunteering events, but for the most part, it was just stuff that I thought would be fun. Didn't have much to do with medicine or school or anything. Mm-hmm. What were some of the What were some of the best things that you uh, cooked as part of your uh, cooking club? Um. Well, so the way we did the cooking club, so we usually it was more we sent out tips and tricks oh, gotcha. to people who were in the group. But what was really cool is. We organized a few things with the nutrition school. And so they would put put on these cooking demos in the nutrition school where they kind of have a full kitchen. And so people could come together. They would teach them how to cook these recipes and then also teach them kind of the nutrition behind it. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you recall what some of your most um, well-received recipes were at the time? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 
I so I don't who knows if anyone ever made this. I feel like I make a I'm very proud of my Nashville hot chicken that I make. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I think if you if you do that right, it's hard unless you don't like spicy food, it's hard to say no to that. So it's true. I I love uh, Nashville. Um, <laughs> I love hot chick Nashville hot chicken. So um, just had dinner, but you're making me hungry again. So. Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyhow, how did you go about balancing between your curricular and extracurricular responsibilities? Like, what was that process for you like as far as um, making sure you maintain high grades while spending enough time on your extracurriculars? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's in med school right now knows that it's really, really tough. There's, there's not an easy way to balance all of that. I think I spent a lot of my time then and still do just focusing on efficiency um, people talk about things like Anki and high yield all the time, but I, I think that's really important. I think if you're going to be studying quite a bit, you want it to be efficient and you want it to get the job done. So you leave yourself time for extracurriculars and then other stuff like your friends and working out and your mental health. So I think maybe the biggest thing is just making your studying efficient. Right, right. If I had a, if I had a dollar for every time someone said high yield in my life, maybe <laughs> I, know, I would right? be able to pay off my tuition. Maybe, but I'm like, I, I almost feel bad saying the word <laughs> high yield. I feel like no, like... no, don't feel bad. I'm just, um, it, it, I, I'm just kind of emphasizing that, um, that's why it's so important. Like you said, like focusing on things that are most likely to be tested because what's the point of focus on focusing on a tiny detail that's less likely to be tested unless you get that one quick like oh finally there's one question on the test out of like 200 right. <laughs> well yeah. and it, 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 it's like i don't want it to seem ingenuine where it's like oh yeah, i'm yeah, yeah, focusing on something for the sake of a grade but i think it's also the further you get into medicine there's infinite things to do there's infinite things to study infinite to learn so at a certain point you have to kind of narrow it in and you know we only have a finite amount of time and you got to learn what's important to you and do the extracurriculars that are important to you and figure out what works for you. This is true. And, uh, and who and what were your sources of support throughout the Durham application process? Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest source of support by far was my then girlfriend, now fiance. I mean, oh, we're, wow, we're very, very close. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and just being open about how hard things were with studying with her. I mean, it helps that mm -hmm. she's in medicine too, so she definitely understands. But I would say also my med school friends, definitely a good source of support. They understand what I'm going through and it was just nice to be able to be open about the struggles and how I'm feeling anxious about this or I'm feeling overwhelmed about that. And I think that was an important part of getting through it. For sure. Oh, and um, is your fiance a resident as well? Yeah, yeah. So she is a resident over at Nationwide Children's Hospital, so kind oh, of gotcha. our pediatric companion over at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Do you know if she wants to go into a specific type of peds, or uh, is she going to go more general? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess it's a general in a sense, but also, so she wants to be a hospitalist. Oh, okay. And now that's that's actually a fellowship for pediatrics. Oh, So while that's almost the most general thing I can think of, they now require a fellowship. Hmm, I guess there's there's never enough training, is there? <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. 
So now I want to jump into the um, engineering and innovation um, discussion. So um, I noticed back when I was studying uh, biomedical engineering that a lot of specialties, like uh, I guess a lot of more surgical specialties like ortho, cardio, um, a lot of applications in those fields were discussed, but I noticed there weren't a whole lot of derm applications being discussed in my classes. So what what kinds of innovation do you think uh, would be most useful in dermatology going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost because there's less that's been done in terms of innovation and research in derm, I almost feel like there's more opportunities. People are always looking at innovating in cardiology and, you know, let's make a new type of nail or something for orthopedic surgery. Right. But I feel like there's so many things that could be improved for dermatology. And so I think it's a great area. One of my interests, and I think that's something unique to dermatology and other visual fields, so pathology, radiology, uh, is the use of artificial intelligence. And um, while it's it's a tool and not like a solution to every problem, I think that dermatology and the visual aspects of it lends itself really well for artificial intelligence applications. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, you're currently doing uh, research in artificial intelligence as it applies to dermatology, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, the specific types of projects you've been working on? Yeah, I, I would say my main project in residency right now. So we we are looking at uh, Mohs micrographic surgery slides, uh, some of which have basal cell carcinoma on them and some of which don't have any tumor on them. And we're trying to work on an algorithm where if we give it a slide, it can tell us if there's cancer on it or no. And it'll also highlight where the basal cell cancer is. So something that would be hopefully very useful in the future um, in the field of Mohs surgery. Mm -hmm. And as you've been going through the project and kind of using the artificial intelligence uh, technology, um, have you noticed any sort of advantages or um, specific challenges that you've faced with using with using AI or any sort of comments on how reliable AI is overall? Yeah, I mean, I think there's other examples of AI outside of medicine where it's super cool, but it's not fully being used yet. I mean, I think one example are driving self-driving cars where the technology has been worked on and you see there's Waymo where you can see cars and even ride in one that's self-driving, but it's not like every car has been replaced by a self-driving car. And I think that's kind of similar in medicine and dermatology where it's useful as a tool, but often it has a lot of limitations or it can only be used in a very specific case because the way you train an artificial intelligence algorithm is to give it examples of some kind of decision and if you don't provide it every example of every decision, it's not going to be like something that can replace a dermatologist. It'll only learn the specific examples you gave it. Gotcha. So it's basically um, almost like the equivalent of a med student who hasn't, who's only been exposed to a few scenarios as opposed to, (laughs) (laughs) as opposed to a fellow who's probably been exposed to a few more. (laughs) Yeah, a few more, maybe, maybe not a whole lot more, but a few more. Um, Yeah, yeah, and I I think another challenge too is just obtaining the data um, to train the algorithm. So, you know, there's people much smarter than me who are computer scientists, and they can write 
the, alg the, the programming component of it in a day. What takes a lot of time is we need to provide it, let's say 3000 images for it to learn how to distinguish a basal cell carcinoma or not. And it takes a lot of time to find all those images and write where the basal cell carcinoma is for the algorithm to learn it. So I think that creation of high quality labeled tag data is probably the biggest um, barrier to creating some of these helpful algorithms. Um, I think one other important piece, and I know a lot of people have been talking about it, is just to make sure that these algorithms are getting training data from all sorts of races and ethnicities and just making sure that we're not kind of accidentally excluding a certain group of people because we're not collecting their information to train these algorithms. Yeah, very important point. And um, where do you see kind of the future of AI and dermatology in about 10 years or so? Yeah, so I, I think it's, it's really hard to say because a lot of people are working on it. And I think a lot of research is going to continue to come out. Um, I hear a lot of people who are interested in it, but there's such a big step between something being proof of concept and research versus it being a practical tool. And there's so much regulation that goes behind these things. And so in 10 years, I'm sure lots of new development is going to take place. I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but I think I would actually be kind of surprised if a whole knot of new clinical applications were readily used with AI in just 10 years. I think I'm, my guess is it would take longer. That makes sense. Um, and besides AI, uh, how else uh, do you plan to apply your biomedical engineering background to the field of dermatology? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think um, so kind of from the surgical side, there's a lot of cool things where we struggle with what kind of tools are we using? Suture material needs to be able to withstand a certain amount of tension. There's things like graphs um, where we're replacing skin and, you know, can work be done on tissue engineering, that sort of thing to make new artificial skin. Uh, I think biomechanics is pretty important, again, in terms of closing wounds. So I, I think there's a whole bunch of innovation that can be done um, in the surgical field. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, at least when I was doing my senior design uh, capstone project back when I was an undergrad, the basis for, uh, and I don't know if you were taught this specifically, but the basis of whatever medical device that we're designing, it stems from a specific kind of unmet need experienced either by uh patients or clinicians or just whoever is just in the healthcare setting. And so you've, you've had three years of um, Durham residency as of, as of this recording. Um, are there any unmet needs based on your experience that you think could benefit from biomedical engineering, medical product design, or any, anything of that nature? Yeah. I mean, so first I absolutely agree. I mean, I think I was kind of taught the same thing. Um, and I've been experiencing it as a current Durham resident where it's not as important the technology you're coming up with. I mean, you don't, you really don't need some kind of fancy engineering background uh, to be helpful as a physician working on these products. I think you're, the most important role as a physician, if you're going to be working on product development or innovation, is exactly that, um, identifying that unmet need. 
And in dermatology and in all parts of medicine, there are so many unmet needs. I, I think if you just, if you shadow any sort of doctor throughout the day, you're going to find so many things that frustrate the patient, that frustrate the doctor, and things are so busy. It's, it's hard to really pay attention to them and identify solutions to them. And instead, I think as, as clinicians, we often just say, oh, this is annoying, but I'm just going to deal with it and get through it. I think one example, um, you know, the EMR and documenting and note writing. I mean, there's so much burnout that happens because of that. And people are working on it. I don't, I don't know how long it'll take to happen, but some kind of thing where natural language processing and if it can record what you're saying and pump out a note for you, that would be amazing. But it doesn't take a lot of work to say, hey, these are a lot of notes to write. And that's, you can identify all sorts of different unmet needs kind of like that. Yeah, it's interesting because... Um... I know at least I've seen in um, when I was shadowing other specialties, I know that they use like the the dictation software to kind of essentially spit out those notes for them as they talk. So I don't know. It's it's definitely something to is definitely something to consider going forward, especially um, once we become attendings. I think it'll be um, will be the trailblazers for improvement uh, in the medical field. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, just to just to wrap up with a couple of last questions here, um, what advice do you have for derm applicants in general, and uh, and any advice specifically for students who have a who happen to have a background in biomedical engineering or want to um, kind of pursue uh, innovation in dermatology as well? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Few the, there's there's so much that goes um, in applying to derm or applying to any specialty for that matter. But I would say, you know, get the advice of people who are older than you or have already gone through what you've gone through. Um, they're going to be able to give you a lot of helpful tidbits. And also, it's just, it's inherently super stressful. There's a lot of anxiety behind it. I think there's a lot of uncertainty. So while you're working on getting into dermatology, I think it's also good to prioritize your mental health. So meditate, seek help when you need to. I think that stuff is super important. Um, in terms of people who are specifically interested in innovation and applying a prior engineering focus, I would say just it, Derm is ripe for that kind of thing. I think there's not nearly as much research that's gone into dermatology as have some of the other fields like cardiology, um, oncology, there's been a lot more research there. And we have so many diseases that aren't fully understood, that aren't fully kind of taken care of. So skin cancer, psoriasis, eczema, and these affect a ton of people. These aren't rare diseases by any means. So I, I think it's a really great field to get into if you're interested in that sort of innovation aspect. Yeah, it's important to, um, you know, do this research so that then we can better inform the patients of, oh, why is this, you know, why is this happening? Or um, why do certain treatments work better than others? I think you want to kind of minimize any sort of frustration that patients might experience from not knowing enough about uh, a particular disease. So yeah. And uh, last question for you. What would you say to your past self now that you're a dermatology resident? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's almost the same thing I've, I would give to advice to applicants in general. Um, I wish I would have focused a little more on mindfulness back then. I mean, things were uncertain. There's no way I could have kind of looked back and said, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to match into Derm. But I think there's just so many things that are out of our control that being able to be mindful and present, enjoying the current moment is so important. And I find myself still struggling, struggling with that. It's kind of easier said than done. There's still stressful things and it's, it's the challenge, but important to kind of enjoy what you're doing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of the stress in the medical field is unavoidable, but you know, having that toolbox of, like you said, mindfulness and enjoying, enjoying the little things. That's like one of the biggest um, pieces of advice that I got, like as an undergrad going into medicine. So um, yeah, well, thank you again, Vamsi, for um, taking the time to chat with us. This was a great discussion. Yeah, yeah. And thank you so much for uh, having me. I hope, you know, whatever I said can help uh, someone out. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the DIGA podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please send us any questions or comments to dermeinterestpod at gmail.com. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.